If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Michael Woodward, and this is episode 14 of the JumboThink podcast. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... On today's episode, I have Mark Green. Mark is a podcaster and the host of Cars Yeah. Cars Yeah is a podcast for automotive enthusiasts. Super cool guy, super cool show. He does five episodes a week and he has now over 700 different episodes. He has had so many great guests. People like racing legend Bobby Rahal and Porsche enthusiasts, Magnus Walker. He's also had Wayne Carini, who is the host of Chasing Classic Cars, Spike Ferenstein, who is the host of Car Matchmaker on Esquire channel, and even Donald Osborne, who's been on Jay Leno's Garage. He has cool people, and they're talking about amazing things around cars. If you like what I'm doing with the podcast, I want you to go to jumblethink.com and get connected to us. And drop me a note at hello at jumblethink.com to let me know what you think. Now let's jump into my interview with Mark Green, host of Cars Yeah. Hey, Mark, it is such a privilege to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. I'm really grateful to share my story with your audience. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you and Cars yeah. What is that all about? Cars yeah is a five-day-a-week podcast that I've been doing just over two years. I've got over 720 guests on my show now. And the core idea behind Cars yeah was to interview what I call inspiring automotive enthusiasts. These are people who love cars, motorcycles, trucks, they found a way to wrap their passion into their careers. So I've interviewed artists, authors, Concord directors, builders, designers, celebrities, museum directors, race car drivers, all sorts of different people who have one thing in common. They love cars like I do, and they figured out how to have a life around those cars, mostly in their careers and their businesses. It's really cool. And you said you're five days a week. You've done over 700 episodes now. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, some days I think it's it's crazy too. It's uh, it is a grind that I put myself on when I set this entire thing up. I the year before I started this, I didn't even know what a podcast was. So this was a very new, bold adventure. I think it fits in with uh, the kind of show that you have. And welcome to the podcasting world, by the way, because you're just getting your feet going and starting here. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The greatest thing about podcasting, I say, is. It's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get when that phone rings and you start doing an interview. That's great. Um, now, you're new, uh, by new, you're, you're several years, two or three years into podcasting. What did you do before you were involved in the podcasting world? Well, right out of college, I spent my first 11 years as a creative director at a advertising agency in San Diego where I grew up. 
design, cre being creative was my passion originally, although I've loved cars my whole life, but that's what I studied in school along with business. So I did that for 11 years. I was an account executive part of the week. I put a suit on and go out and find clients, and the rest of the week I was designing things for them. And one of the clients I landed was a startup company back then called Griot's Garage. It was a direct mail catalog business. Now, this was for the young listeners. There was a life before Internet and cell phones. So way back when, and we started designing their catalog. And very soon I became friends with the owner of the company. He invited me to come on board and help build that company. So I came on board as the person in charge of branding, marketing, and merchandising, although I wore I like to say I wore so many hats I wore all my hair off uh, because those young days of having long hair as a surfer rat down in San Diego uh, are long gone. I grew up, I guess, as part of the thing, unfortunately. But uh, at any rate, I spent 20-plus years at Griot's Garage helping build that company. Uh, it was really fun because being into cars, I got to do a lot of different things. I traveled the world looking for very cool products to sell. I developed car care products. I did all the marketing, branding, designing from copywriting to photography, videography, when the internet came along, designing the website, managing about uh, close to 100 people. And when I left the company, I was the president of the company. That was about three years ago. So if you look back at my career, it's funny. If I put a resume together, I'd only have two jobs. Well, now three, of course, yeah, over all that time, which is kind of unique for these, this day and age where people seem to job up every two or three years. But that's a bit about my background. So obviously you have a show about cars. And yes. that must mean that you have some kind of like for cars. Uh, can you tell us <laughs> yeah. a little bit about how that car passion started? My mom says it started when I was born. Uh, I have loved cars forever. I, I'm not really sure why it started, although my father, when I was very young, I was four years old, he bought a 1947 MGTC, which was a very unique old car, even for the time back in the 60s. And he used to drive it to work every day, but we lived in a you know, beautiful part of the world where the top could be down all the time. Maybe that was a piece of it. I'm not really sure, but I've just always loved cars. I did all the typical stuff. I had slot car tracks when I was a kid. I built model cars all the time. I went to car shows whenever I could. My dad used to take me up to Orange County Raceway. I remember seeing Don Garlitz race dragsters. I saw Evil Knievel jump over five school buses on his motorcycle, which I, I promptly came home, uh, set up a ramp on my street. My mom made me an Evil Knievel cape, and I started jumping over garbage cans on my bicycle and crashed. Not quite as bad as Evil Knievel did at uh, Caesars Palace, but got a few scrapes and scuffs. But I've just always really loved cars, and as my life progressed, and I, I was able to start to buy fun cars, I love European sports cars. So the first real dream car was a Porsche 911. Um, during my time at Griot's for about 11 years, I raced vintage cars, which is uh, uh, where you take old race cars out on the track and race with other light cars. And I did that up and down the coast of California for about 11 years. I just always loved cars. And Griot's Garage enabled me to work around that passion. So when I left Griot's, Griot's Garage and wanted to find something new to do for myself, I figured it has to be around cars. And my son gave me the idea, actually, Blake. He just graduated from college last year. He's working uh, for Google now. And when I was trying to find my way, which is kind of a twist on the son usually asks the father for advice. In this case, the father asked the son. <laughs> he said, hey, how about a podcast? And I said, what's that? And he said, well, let me give you some that I listen to when I'm at school. 
And he said, you know, Dad, you've taken me to car shows and races my whole life since I was a little boy. What's the one thing I always tease you about? You can't walk by a car without stopping and asking its owner about the car, about his business and his life and learning more about them. What if you designed a podcast around that? And that's how Cars Yow was born. It's really fun to hear that uh, your son helped to encourage that and <laughs> yes. make your pa- uh, uh, passion with an outlet to express it. Yes, absolutely. He's a smart kid. Of course, I'm proud of him because he's my son and my daughter too, of course. Um, although she was not into cars as much as he was, he was kind of my sidekick during all those years. I took him to many, many car shows. I took him to trade shows. Uh, in many cities when I would go look for cool products to sell. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a twist. And I had to learn, well, as you're going through it now, I had to learn a lot about what this whole thing is. I had to get up to speed on all the social media because I'm 59 years old. So compared to all those young folks out there, the millennials, I didn't have a clue about all this stuff. Now, I did have some idea because I was implementing a lot of social media when I was at Creos with how we sold our products. But I really felt like I had to get up to speed and embrace all of this. So I, I've got two Facebook pages, Instagram, Twitter, uh, got heavily involved with LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, Snapchat. So I'm trying to embrace all this social media to use it as a medium, and I do use it quite extensively to promote Carsia to find listeners out there to follow me. I've got oh, listeners in 80 countries now, which just – when I even say the words, it blows me away. I mean, there's 25 people in Cambodia listening to Car Show every day. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's But that's the power of what we're living in right now. There is no excuse for anyone to be able to go out and start their own business using all these tools we have in our hands. This new industrial age called the Internet, it just – every day it blows me away. It's just tremendous. You go back – you know, even 10 or 15 years, this type of medium, whether it's a, uh, a traditional audio podcast or even a video podcast, it just wasn't accessible. It didn't, the technology wasn't there to make it accessible, but we've really become uh, uh, open to reaching a world through mechanisms that are pretty simple to, to do now. They are. And, you know, even for an old dog like me, you can learn, learn new tricks. You just have to be willing to embrace them. But I'll tell you, if you're going to go out there and do anything, YouTube is your best friend. Because if you want to figure out how to pull a tooth or pull an engine, somebody created a video on YouTube and you can just follow them and do it. So I watched a lot of tutorials on all the ways of implementing for instance, Skype with Adobe Audition, how I record my shows, probably similar to what you do. I looked at a lot of the ways people are promoting their business and all these different genres and realized, you know what, you can kind of do it any way you want. And I'm a one-legged paper hanger here. I do everything for my show myself. And so that's from creating a website. Now, I had a a little bit of a, a head start because I am a designer, so I knew how to design a good website. And But I'm still learning on how to make it work better as well. My son works for Google, so he's constantly uh, giving me some uh, Google advice. But uh, the biggest one is, Dad, if you don't know what you're doing, just Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. I mean, information is so easy to come by now. Uh, if you dream it, if you have an idea or you have – a concept of what you want to do, you can find the information out there to make the next step. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's just every day I'm 
dumbfounded. Well, like you and I, we're connected here. We got connected to a podcast group, and here we are talking and sharing what we both do with a, an audience of listeners out there. So, yeah, it's it's just tremendous. It's absolutely wonderful. And, of course, caveat emptor, all the stuff you read out there is not always true. Right. So you have to be a little careful what you follow and what you think is right. But uh, I always tell people, you know, just treat your listeners, your guests, your, your the people who buy your products, treat them the way you want to be treated. It's pretty simple. It goes back to the golden rule, what, you know, mom taught me and dad taught me when I was a kid. Just treat people nice and uh, treat them the way you want to be treated. And things will usually work out pretty well. Yeah, that's one of my goals is simply to make our guests and our listeners our heroes. Well, they are. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you are nothing without ears to your voice. And I always say nothing good happens until there's an exchange of goods or services or thought between two people. And I think it goes back to the caveman days when the first caveman walked over a hill and found another cave and said, here, I'll trade you some fire for a stick. (laughs) And it all started to happen. So yes, absolutely. Without a listenership, you really are just talking to a mirror and there's, you don't learn much when you talk to mirrors. Yeah, that's right. Now your tagline is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So there's two questions here. One is what kind of car enthusiasts are you? There are those people that are tinkerers, builders. There are those who just love the design and owning cars. There are others who love reading and researching and understanding the ins and outs of whether it's the industry or design around automotive. What kind of car enthusiasts are you? Well, let's see. You uh, set me up with a lot of boxes to check off, so let me start checking them. Check, (laughs) check, 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 check. Yeah, pretty much all of those things. Uh, The one thing I don't do a whole lot of anymore just because of time is what we would call wrenching, working on my cars, although back when I was racing, I did a lot of the work on them myself. When I was a kid, I did all the work and modifications to my cars, but I think a lot of it goes back to engineering and design for me. I love, again, the European sports cars, although if it has rubber or if it rolls on rubber, I like it. But I really like the design aspects of automobiles from the engine design to the aesthetic design, and that comes from my design background. I love the sound cars make. I love to drive cars fast. I do a lot of club events where you can take your car on a racetrack and drive your everyday car as fast as you dare to drive it. Uh, on the track with other like-minded people. I love going to automotive events. This upcoming weekend in Florida is the Amelia Island Concours, which is one of the biggies in the world of Concours events. Uh, all these people will come from all around the world and bring all their incredible cars. You can meet interesting people. But cars for me are really a, a visceral thing. I, if I don't like what a car looks like when I walk up to it, I'm not that interested in it, most likely. So when you go back to the cars I've owned, they've mostly been German, European sports cars. But my race cars were English cars. I raced a Lotus and a Lola. So that was kind of a different thing for me. But they were fun and they were authentic race cars. And you got to go out on the track and be a race car driver, even though I'm just a total amateur at it. But got to go to a racing school and learn how to drive and getting a license to do all of that. But I just love the design aesthetics. And that probably goes back to... Growing up in a family where my father was an architect and an artist and a painter, and he took us to a lot of galleries and talked about design all the time. But for me, cars are the combinations of all those elements and pieces. 
Well, I've got to ask, you, you mentioned that you're uh, a fan of the European cars, especially the German. I, mm-hmm. I have an Audi uh, TT Quattro that's been nice. uh, modified for track racing prior oh. to me purchasing it. So uh, that's my, my car. Give us a little list of the cars that either you've had or you currently have, the cars that most excite you. Oh, gosh. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> well, let me start with cars I have. Right now, my toy car in the garage is a 1987 Porsche 930 Turbo okay. that I found on eBay. So kind of bought it sight unseen, if you will, although there were pictures on eBay. Uh, it's kind of a unique car because it was a special order with a paint color that was not the same paint they usually used at Porsche, but they painted it that way. My daily driver is an E46 M3, which is an awesome track slash daily driver type car. And that's a BMW. BMW. Yeah. 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 E46 BMW. I've had four of those cars. Um, I've had, I think, over 15 Porsche 911s over the years. So all different makes and models. When I say makes and models, they've all been 911s, although I did have a 914, come to think of it, uh, somewhere in that mix. But uh, that was a car I bought for my son that we fixed up together and sold. When, his, when his, my wife, his mother, my wife of 33 years, bless her, she puts up with me. Uh, she said, no, he's not going to have a first car that's a Porsche. I think we need something safer than that. So we fixed it up and sold it and bought him a little BMW coupe. But So lots of Porsche 911s. As I mentioned, the race cars, I raced a Lotus 18 from 1960 and a Lola T290 from uh, uh, the early 70s. So mostly it's been European cars. Uh, as far as cars I would love to have, uh, the list just goes on and on. I, you know, I ask all my guests a question at the end of my talk with them, and that is, if I could buy you one collector car to put in your garage, what would it be? And for a collector, as a, an enthusiast like me, that's a almost impossible question to ask people because – I love so many different things about so many, so many different kinds of cars. And that's a fun thing for me to talk about cars with my guests because they all have different tastes. But I'll tell you one thing I've learned about car people, and I've heard this from every one of my guests. We all come together in the car world. doesn't matter if we're Chevy guys, Ford guys, Porsche guys, BMW, Mercedes guys. We all come together. We're always willing to help each other. It's a bond between people. And if my wife and I go to a Christmas party or something – I always find the other car guy and we end up in the garage the whole night (laughs) (laughs) because it's just, you know, it's our passion. So you can sit and talk with people. I had a a girl I loved. I really wanted to date her in high school and I finally got to date her and she invited me to her house for a party. And I found out her dad had a Porsche Speedster in the garage and he was out there. He was out there preparing it for a concourse. I ended up spending the whole evening with him in the garage. Needless to say, there were no not any dates further with that young woman. But uh, I kind of ignored her. But uh, the car, you know, it's just all about the car. So uh, it's an affliction, that's for sure. You've mentioned some of the Porsches you have. I'm a, I'm a big Porsche fan. Were all I, of them air-cooled? Yes. Uh, first one was a 74S. And then I jumped into an 84 cab, um, Carrera Cabriolet that was a daily driver in San Diego. Wouldn't work up here in the Northwest where it rains all the time. Then I jumped into a Carrera 2 Coupe when I moved up here. I had a 993 uh, C4 S. Um, I had a 72S, which was kind of a toy car. Um, the 930 I mentioned. There's been all different kinds, but they just kind of – as the new ones come out, I've never bought a brand new Porsche. They've always been kind of pricey, so I was going to wait till they're three, four years old, let the depreciation hit them, and then find a car. Because most people that own Porsches, 
Actually, I should say there's two types of Porsche owners. They're the ones who baby them and don't drive them and the ones that flog them to death. <laughs> they drive them really hard. And if you can find those guys who baby their cars with low mileage, you can get some really good deals. So, uh, But the Jaylee drivers for me that I think are just as much fun are the uh, M3s. I've had four of them. I love them. They're just, they do everything and even better as a daily driver in traffic than a 911. Because 911s are they're not that fun in traffic when you've got a clutch to push in. And, you know, they're kind of stiff. They don't even have cup holders. Well, the new ones do, but the old ones didn't. So, yeah, kind of hard to commute in. <laughs> as a Porsche fan, I have to ask, have you driven the new 918? Uh, no. I, there's not too many people who would hand the keys of a multi-million dollar car over <laughs> to anybody. Although I have been given the keys to many, many very expensive cars, and I've been able to drive them, some of them uh, on the track. Uh, even I got to drive a 250 short-wheelbase Ferrari when I was at the Cavallino in Florida once. I actually drove two of them in the same day, which is a crazy thing to have happen. But no, the 918... That's a pretty special car. I do know a couple people that have them, but they don't toss keys to those kinds of cars. Maybe one day I'll get to, to get – I'd love to be on a track. That's really the only place yeah. to drive that car fun because it's uh, – yeah, it's an incredible piece of machinery. So Well, and that's the interesting thing of German-based engineered cars versus their Italian brethren. You can go out and drive a German car and feel like it's going to it's gonna hold up, where some of the Italian cars, you really do have to uh, treat them with compassion. Especially the older ones. You know, the new ones are different. I was at the Ferrari factory about four years ago. And I'll tell you, the manufacturing uh, capabilities they have there now are as good as any other manufacturer. So the newer Ferraris, from what I'm told, I've never owned a Ferrari, but I have plenty of friends that have them, and I've had plenty of guests who have Ferraris. The newer ones are just as capable of pretty much every any everyday driver. Uh, they're very reliable now, but the old days, it was kind of like the old days with Jaguar, the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, they were just temperamental, and they had all sorts of issues. And the old Ferraris, if you take one apart, and I've been around many cars that have been restored, they weren't really even built that well. I mean, they're all hand-built, but I've, I've heard stories like on the, the front of an old Ferrari, the left side of the car is an inch longer than the right because <laughs> one guy worked on one side, one guy worked on the other. And maybe they, they stopped for lunch and had a little Chianti with their uh, pasta and then came back to work and things weren't quite so clear. But yeah, the old cars uh, were not as reliable, especially when you compare it to American cars, which aren't as reliable as cars today. But the thing about cars today is my gosh, they're, they're incredible. I mean, they're just absolutely incredible. I don't care if it's a little inexpensive Kia up to a brand new Mercedes Benz. They just go and go and go. They don't need a lot of attention or maintenance. Um, they're incredibly complicated, so the average guy can't work on them anymore. But uh, they're doing a tremendous job with manufacturing cars these days. And we could talk for hours about what's coming with autonomous cars and hybrid cars and electric cars. We're in a whole other state of being with cars. I think in the next five or ten years, uh, the advances are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Some of the manufacturing, uh, you know, the, the environment has changed significantly. There's this cross-pollination between companies that you wouldn't think work together. Example is, you know, the new BMW Z series is also uh, in partnership with Mazda for their Miata series. Uh, there are other brands that are doing that cross 
of course you have, you know, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, Lamborghini, all under the same umbrella now. You've right. got all of this collaboration across epic brands of car manufacturing. How are you seeing that change innovation in the automotive industry? Well, I think it's tremendous. I think it's like any time you get different industries together to collaborate, you create some wonderful new things. And in the world of cars, this this can even go back in time. I remember one of the first visits I ever made to the Porsche factory. I was walking by a building. I looked out in a window, and I saw these Mercedes-Benz parks down there. And I asked the tour guide, I said, what are all those Mercedes doing here? And he goes, oh, that's a new program we're doing with Mercedes. And that was, of course, ended up being the 500E, where Porsche built engines for the high-end uh, E-Class Mercedes and put their engines and transmissions in those uh Mercedes-Benz cars. And so Mercedes would ship the chassis and everything over. Porsche would dump the engines in, send them back, and they'd be these uh, supercars, if you will, supercar sedans. So it's been going on for a while, but I think it's tremendous. And again, it's like anytime you get multiple companies together or brands and they collaborate, great things happen. And it's a good testament for all industries to cross work with different people and find out what they know, what you know, and they can enlighten you because we get our blinders on so often in business and in life that we can't see past what we we can only see and we don't know what we don't know. So I had uh, one of my guests on Cars Show was Reeves Callaway, who, if you think of the word Callaway, you might think Callaway Golf, or well, his father started that golf company. Reeves has an engineering company where he collaborates with Chevrolet and primarily their Corvettes. He builds performance parts and race cars for Corvettes, um, modifies cars, and so forth. So there's another example of a guy who started – he was actually going to start, interesting story, with a Italian company. But they stopped importing cars, Alfa Romeo, way back when, right after he built his factory to build all their parts. So he had to switch tracks real fast, talk to some people at GM, and he's been doing – working with them and their Corvettes for, gosh, a long, long time. So uh, I think anytime people start to communicate, it's a good thing. I think that it gives freedom to innovate even at, at, at a much larger sphere because yes. uh, you have more resor- uh, resources. You have more of a wider net of people working and you're bringing in you know, there may be a specialist that works for Porsche that is now being able to apply his skill set to uh, a lower grade car, lower yes. cost car, and bring that technology uh, that is usually held for more expensive cars to a much more accessible level. Oh, yeah. And if you look at even inexpensive cars these days, my daughter drives a Mini Cooper. And that's a relatively inexpensive car when you buy it brand new. But I had the pleasure of driving that car back and forth. She went to school in Southern California. So I would drive down there with her every fall and then fly home. And she, she needed a car during school and go back. So I went on these 1,400-mile drives. And I'll tell you, the first time that we ventured off, I thought, oh, this is going to be horrible, driving in this little car all that way. It was awesome. It was just a delight to drive. And the fit and finish for a car that – I believe that car originally, the first one we bought her was like $19,000 or something like that. I thought was spectacular. So again, you've got BMW working with these other manufacturers. Their engines, I think, are made in both Canada and Mexico. The bodies of the cars are made in England. It's a German company. I mean, it kind of goes back to um, Friedman's book, The World is Flat. Anytime we can work together and innovate in the world, it's a much better thing for everybody, I think. 
So let's talk about some of your guests because you've done yeah. over 700 shows. You've had oh, some yeah. amazing people. Uh, let me just kind of list some of them for the people that aren't aware of, of your podcast. So you've got former race car driver and team owner Bobby Rahal has been on. Magnus Walker, who uh, was a designer and now uh, a a spokesman, if you will, although probably not official, uh, for Porsche. You had uh, Wayne Corini, uh, who is known for his show uh, Chasing Classic Cars, Spike uh, Ferenstein, who is uh, a former writer for Letterman and... Um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also hosted a show called Car Matchmaker, still mm-hmm. does, on uh, Esquire. And you had, yeah. like, Donald Osborne. He's uh, he's the guy that has that weird jingle in the, the Jay Leno's uh, garage. <laughs> yes. Donald is funny, yeah. Your, your roster of guests is impressive. What is it like meeting people that not only do you have a kindred spirit, but probably are some of the best-known people in the industry in, in the automotive world? Yeah, it's a true gift, I'll tell you, because I'll be sitting here talking to people going, well, like I had Vic Elford. Now, if, if you're not a big Porsche race fan or rally fan, you probably go, who is he? But the guy's driven every Porsche 917 that was ever built. I mean, he's, he's a Le Mans winner, rally winner. He's a guy that's just done it all. And to sit here and be asking him questions, sometimes I have to, I almost lose my train of thought. I have to pinch myself because I go, holy cow, I'm talking to... Vic Alford, you know, or Bobby Rahal, like you mentioned, or Ari Leyendijk, Indy 500 winner. I get to talk, you know, the categories I have right now, which actually I need to expand a bit, they're artists, authors, and journalists, celebrities, you mentioned, Concord, directors, dealers, and parts suppliers like Reeves Calloway, detailers and car care experts, designers and builders, museum directors, photography, racers, and I have a new category called women because now I have close to 50 women on the show. In fact, the time we're, we're doing this show with you, this week I have kind of a unique situation. I have three different women on my show, which makes it really cool. Um, so I have a new category, women, because it's really exciting for me to let, especially young women, know that if you want a career in cars, it's available to you now more than ever. So I, I you know, every day is a real delight. And I just, I sit here some days and go, wow, I got to talk to that guy. That's so cool and learn his story. And one of the things that I'm told quite often by my listeners when they communicate, communicate with me is, oh, I've known, say, Spike Ferriston. I've known him for years. I didn't know that about him. So hopefully I'm pulling a little bit of new, unique uh, information out of people. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates because many of my guests I've never met before. So when they call, I have no idea what's about to happen uh, in in the way of how they're going to respond. I'll tell you again, when you talk to people about their passions, it's like your show. You talk to people who are passionate about what they're doing. They want to share that passion. So it's very rare that I get a guess it's hard to pull things out of. And it's usually just because they're a little shy. They're not comfortable with the concept of, oh, man, I'm being recorded and I might say something silly and make myself look stupid or something. But it is a real delight. And I have so many people I'm chasing all the time. You know, I, I call some of my guests snipes because I tried to get them on for so long and then it finally happens. And uh, one of them is, of course, Jay Leno. I've got to get Jay Leno on the show. I've met him many, many times. He's he's a car fanatic. Of course, he's got TV shows and blogs and YouTubes and so forth. So I, I'm close. I'm close close, but I haven't quite landed him yet. He's a very, very busy guy, but it's a tremendous honor. I I look at it that way, that they are giving me a half an hour plus of their time 
to share their story. And uh, I treat them all with uh, great respect. Yeah, you mentioned Jay Leno. Are there any other people that you're just going, hey, I really, really, really can't wait to connect up with this person? Oh, gosh. I'll tell you, the list is so long that um, I, I don't know if even I could you know, get into them all. I, you know, I like having celebrities on the show for a variety of reasons. One is it helps build my listenership because people love celebrities. There's just this kindred draw to them. So I really try to get them on, but I also like having people that are relatively unknown out there. I've had people on the show that just started their own car detailing business or restoration business. My youngest guest was 15 years old. My oldest guest at the time was Bill Neal, who's an automotive artist uh, who was 91. So I have a really broad variety of people, and I mentioned, of course, women on the show, but I think for the people that I, you know, I really want to get, um, I would say the celebrities or race car drivers are up there because I did racing, so I have a passion for racing. And those guys are tough to get sometimes because they're very, very busy. Uh, they're, you know, they're well known in the industry and their timing is select and a lot of them trying to get to them. You have to go through agents and if they never heard of cars, yeah, like, well, who are you? That, my guy doesn't want to spend time with you, but a couple I'll name real quick. Uh, Chip Ganassi, I would love to have him on. Bob Lutz would be great. Sam Posey, that was a racer. Um, Let's see who else. Of course, uh, I didn't even thought about with Jay Leno, maybe trying to get his wife on to say, oh. what's it like to be the wife, you know, Mavis? Interesting. What's, yeah. what's it like to be the wife of a car-crazy celebrity? Parnelli Jones would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, there's just so many. And I've had people say, well, aren't you afraid you're going to run out of people to talk to? And I went, are you crazy? I mean, there's like, all the, there's there's so many people in the car industry from all walks of life. It's just a matter of, of my time to chase them all down and convince them that uh, it's a good thing to share their, their life with me on Cars Yeah. Okay. So if you're a listener right now and you heard someone that you have a connection to, shoot Mark away to get in touch with them. I would appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm easy to find. It's just Mark at Cars yeah.com or you can go to the website and there's an info box there to contact me a little video about me and i'll tell you that's a, a little secret that i'll share with you mike is at the end of every one of my shows after we're done recording i ask all my guests this question if there's one person you could introduce me to you think would make a great guest who would it be and almost everybody who's been on my show gives me one person uh, many of them are still feeding me people um, i just got an email this morning from um, a sports announcer, um, Lee Duffy, who's an F1 announcer for all the F1 races. He just sent me a few more people this morning. So wow. uh, that's the other little trick I've learned is just keep in touch with people. And I do that through my weekly blog, which my blog just went out today. Got some really nice responses on it, by the way. It was a one of those that, that garnered some thought. So that was a good one. And I do a uh, weekly recap every week to my subscribers. Uh, I'll mention here, this is a good way to plug me a little bit if you'll allow me to do this. Yeah. Um, I'll ask people if, if you'd like to follow me in cars. Yeah, I do some really cool giveaways. Last Christmas, I gave away thousands of dollars with a free product. And I do this through my guests. They offer me things. A lot of them are books, but they're also products and things. If you just go to the Cars yeah website, I've got a free filler up book, which is an ebook that I designed and produced, which is kind of cool. It's a mainly visual of a lot of photography I've taken over the years. I've got over 100,000 images in my my database. Uh, <laughs> wow. I've, I've been to a lot of events over the last 30 plus years, but uh, you just go there and subscribe. I promise you my blogs 
My rule with my blogs is you have to read them in one minute. If they're longer than that, they're too long because I realize people's time is precious. So uh, my blogs are very short. They come out every Tuesday. And then my recaps are just a recap of those guests. But uh, just go to carsyad.com, click on the free filler up book button. It'll be on the landing page and I'll send you that free ebook. I hope you like it. That's great. And and it's a cool resource. Uh, your website has so many fun things on it. So definitely Thanks. check that out. A couple more questions for yes. you. Um, you know, this is a little bit less about uh, your podcast, a little less about um, specific cars and more about uh, cars in general. Mm-hmm. What is it about cars that is a unifier and also people get so passionate about? Why, why do people love cars? I'll tell you, the, the number one thing I've heard from people over and over again is cars, especially in the United States, but around the world in general, provide us one thing, freedom. It provides us the ability to get into a vehicle and go anywhere we want to go. And I heard that from my guests, or I hear that from my guests over and over and over again. Their first car provided them freedom. And we all remember that when we were a kid. First time we got to leave mom and dad and go out on our own and be responsible and do things uh, that were fun and sometimes maybe not quite what we should be doing if mom and dad were sitting there. (laughs) But I think that's the first thing. They provide us freedom. They provide us a way to go out and be on our own. As far as car people, though, it comes back to different passions. It could be a passion that relates back to something historical. For me, I had a neighbor up the street who had an old Porsche, and we used to stick our surfboards on this back little rack thing he had, which if you know what an old Porsche Speedster looks like, you think, how could a a surfboard fit on that? But back then, the boards were short. You know, they were under six feet size. And he would take me surfing. Uh, I had another friend who had a VW van, and we actually would drive that thing all the way to Mammoth Mountain. What normally is an eight-hour drive in a VW van is like an 11-hour drive. (laughs) It's just, it's crazy. I can't believe we did it. But I think it's that, and, and also just the... The thing inside of us that cars dwell up, and it's it's a sense of pride for many people. I mean, there's a lot of people who collect cars because of the monetary value, and car values, of course, collector car values have been on the upswing, although right now they're kind of flattening out, but it all has a relationship to do with the economy and so forth. So a lot of people who are big-time collectors collect cars as a place to, excuse the pun, park their money versus <laughs> putting it in a volatile market. Yeah. Um, And so forth. So I I think it's a combination of those things, but it's also a sense of pride because if you like to work on your own car, it's an ability to make something better and unique. And what's one of the things, and you know this, Mike, because you're a car guy. Yeah. When we all get cars, what do we do? We first go out and get new wheels, new tires. You know, we modify them in some way, (laughs) new exhaust system. Uh, Maybe we do something very uh, intrusive into the engine, if you will, and make it go a lot faster because we just can't leave it alone because. We're car people. Right. So my next question kind of it, it hinges back to that a little bit. We are in a, a shift of culture, if you will. You mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, we're moving towards electronic uh, or, yeah, electronic cars, electrical cars, autonomous cars, other cars that are not the combustion engine. But with that, we're also seeing a shift to the millennials. They're really adapting into this uh, car sharing mentality. And there seems to be a loss of interest in cars. Do you see this uh, enthusiasm uh, waning in the car industry? Where do you see and what do you see happening with the automotive industry when it comes to the next generation? And do you think that 
cars as we know them now, the, the affinity and the relationship we have with them is going to change. Boy, Abel, you've opened a bag of worms there. Uh, I've talked with a lot of people about this issue, and I think that there are still, uh, there is still a group of millennials, if you will, that love cars and are passionate about cars. And that's why I get excited when I have those young people on my show. I think the the part of this that we're seeing now is we say, well, there aren't as many. Well, that's because the baby boomer generation had a lot more people in it than the millennial generation do. So you're not really comparing the same size groups. So I believe you do not have as many coming through. And I've had guests on my show that are very concerned about this. They have businesses around cars and they think, I'm not going to have the customer base to sustain this business because the baby boomers are aging out. They're passing away. They're getting tired of rubbing wax on their cars, and they're just like, I'm done with this. And they're also going into a time of life with retirement where many of them can't spend as much money anymore on, on that passion they have for cars. So they're not buying as much stuff. But I think that there's still a big group of people, young people, that are interested. And I get excited when I hear that. I just don't think it is, is as big in volume as it was with the baby boomers. And also – you're right. Things are changing with how people interact with cars. And at first, when I heard the concept of, of autonomous cars, I went, how horrible. How could yeah. you not drive a car? But I had a lot of I even wrote a blog about it. And I had a lot of people jump to the defense and they gave me a perspective that I didn't have. And that was, what about if a group of people go out and party and they go, ah, I shouldn't be driving. Well, my car will take me home. What about older people who need to get to the doctor and they're not comfortable driving anymore and they still need to get to the doctor? I have family members now, parents and uh, in-laws, who use Uber. And I was just down in San Diego. My my mother's don't listen, mom. She just turned eighty, <laughs> but that was a milestone. So, and my father was there, and he was using Lyft. And I was so proud. I'm like, Dad, you're using Lyft? He goes, Yeah, I figured out how to use it. It's pretty cool. And so. It's offering, and for him, he's not as comfortable driving anymore, or at least sometimes. In this case, it was parking in busy downtown San Diego, and he goes, I don't want to deal with parking. I'll just get a lift over here or an Uber ride. So I think from that standpoint, we have all these other options now that I didn't have as a kid, certainly. So I think those are good options, and it's helping people. Um, certainly, you and I know as being car guys, there's a lot of people on the road that shouldn't be driving. <laughs> they're distracted. Sure. They're poor drivers, number one, or they're just simply distracting themselves with their phones. Turn the darn things off, please. And so those people are much better off in an autonomous car getting out of our way so we can drive the way we want and they can just cruise along in the right-hand lane and get to where they need to go without crashing into the rest of us. So I think there's a mix. And I, you know, the jury in my world is out. Are there going to be enough people that have an interest? But I'm seeing more and more young people involved. I'm seeing more and more young people on the internet having coming up with innovative ideas for businesses online. I've had several of them on my show that come up with these new ways to sell and solicit cars to young people, people that are even kind of disruptors of the typical eBay platform or Craigslist for selling parts. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's disturbing that there aren't as many, but they're different is, I guess, my point here. And I always joke because both my kids, I insisted they learn how to drive stick shift. And I think they were the only kids in their high school and knew how to drive a manual car. I said, well, it's a great theft deterrent because no one's going to break in your car because they can't drive it away. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, they even to this day have said, yeah, dad, none of my friends really know how to drive stick shifts. And 
my goodness, Ferrari doesn't even make a manual gearbox right. anymore. Yeah. I mean, you just, but when I was at the Ferrari factory and I asked our, our tour guide about that, he said, it's the market. Our market doesn't want them. And their mark, I said, well, who's your market? Well, they have an older market, very wealthy people, but they also have these young millennials who are making millions of dollars with their businesses and they don't want a manual car. They just want something cool to drive around in that's shiny and fast and fun and makes them look good. And so, you know, the market drives what happens. I always say capital goes where capital grows. So investment, whether it's in a car market or in a business like we're doing or whatever it is, you put your your market, your, your capital dollars, your investment dollars to where the market will come to you. And even Porsche, um, most of the cars they sell now, now are automatic PDK transmissions. So, you know, um, I, it's just it's just a change and a shift. But I, I try to not be too worried about it uh, because I do believe that there still is a large group of people that love cars. And if you look at the kind of cars they're coming out with these days, uh, they're exciting. They're fun. There's a lot of vanilla stuff, too, that's kind of young, boring. But there's a lot of cool stuff, too. So I try to stay positive about all that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this, uh, what I call a pocket generation. It's the generation between the Gen Xers and the millennials. I don't fit okay. in with either. I was <laughs> yeah. born right in that cusp You're between. A <laughs> I'm a misfit. Uh, uh, there's actually a term for it called the lucky ones. Uh, so ah, I, I like that okay. one better, but <laughs> yes, I do too. Um, but for me, you know, I, I grew up, uh, my dad, um, um, he was, uh, in charge of emergency services for a racetrack, uh, a dirt track, sprint car track. Oh, uh, oh, I cool. grew up around cars. I grew up with uh, a passion for cars. Um, and being in that pocket, that that generation between the generations or that sub-generation, one huh? thing I think that I love about the car community is that um, – Yes, technology is awesome. And, and I work in the tech industry. I build websites and web applications. But it's nice to see when you go to a car show, other than pulling out the phone for photos, you see people talking, you see people walking around, you see people engaging with the community. And yes. and I think that's one lesson that millennials and those who are so tethered to their devices can learn is that there is life outside of the technology. And if you engage with it, there's a lot of beauty there. You know, yeah, you hit a chord. I just had uh, Dan Panos on my show. He's the son of Don Panos. Don Panos, of course, incredibly successful businessman, uh, has built multiple businesses, but his Panos cars, I mean, they manufacture their own cars and sell them very small quantities, of course, but Dan owns an engineering company, which is a part of the Panos empire. And that was his parting thoughts when he was on my show is get your face out of your phone. <laughs> and it, it really frustrates him, he said, because he, he works around a lot of younger people as engineers. He's probably my age, I would think now in the late 50s. And he said, you know, people just don't engage as much. But you're right. When I, I go to a lot of car shows and when I attend, most of the phones are out because people are taking pictures. And then they're sharing those pictures on all the social media platforms so that other people can see what they're seeing. And by the way, it's kind of fun because I can't go to all the car events that happen all around the country. Someday maybe I'll get to do it. But a lot of them, I can just sit and watch my Facebook feeds, which I have thousands of followers, and I feel like I'm there. I just kind of, oh, that's the next car that Phil just took a picture of. And oh, Mike's there now. <laughs> He's taking a picture of that. So 
it's kind of fun in that sense, but you're right. And there's people talking to people. They're talking about their cars. They're talking about uh, what it's like to own that kind of car. They're doing deals. They might be buying cars or selling cars. So I think that's a, a positive thing. Again, it comes back to a shared passion. Because when we're not sharing passions, we're not engaging. And you're right. I can't tell you how many restaurants I go to and you look at tables around you and the couples are sitting there both looking at their phones and not even talking to each other. It's kind of sad. It really is. It really is. Well, we're running out of time. It's always fun to talk about things that are passionate, uh, yes. people are passionate about, and especially those who have an affinity to really see that community grow. And with that, I have one last question for you, mm -hmm. okay. and it's this. Um, what is one dream you are still chasing? It could be within the auto world. It could be without or outside the auto world. But what is one dream that you kind of go, this is something I still want to accomplish, something I want to see, something maybe even something that you want to purchase, whatever that is. What is that one dream that you kind of go, this is at the forefront of my mind right now? Oh, man, you asked a hard question. Uh, one, just one. Or you know, a couple I feel like, if you want. That's fine. I, I, I feel like I'm just on the cusp of making cars yeah a real thing because it takes time to build a business to gain an audience i would love to expand what i'm doing with cars yeah beyond podcasting to products to services to a resource site for car people to come and be a part of uh, maybe building an online garage sense or online cars and coffee kind of concept so that cars yeah becomes a go-to for everything cars that's a huge big pipe dream kind of thing. And I say pipe dream, meaning that it's all attainable. It's going to take some effort and time, of course, and some money. But that's that's a big, big picture. And I think when anytime somebody starts with a passion, they need to think super big. And they need to think, what am I going to be? As, as I was helping build Creo's Garage from the day one, we always acted way bigger than we were. We portrayed ourselves well beyond what we really were. It worked over time because we grew into that. And even though we didn't realize maybe at the time we were doing it. So I would encourage listeners out there that are building on their passion or thinking about starting a business or a life around their passion. Think super big. Uh, it's like for me with cars, I would love to have a garage full of cars. But at the same time, if I only could pick one, of course, it's always something that's super expensive. <laughs> so whether it's a brand new Porsche Turbo S or in the case of a dream car for me, collector car would be a Singer. Um, I had. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they're doing crazy stuff with uh, what? Early, early 90s Porsches. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what they do there is they build rebuild Porsches uh, that look like older cars, but they build them all bespoke. So yeah. you can spend three hundred to $500,000 on having them build you your ultimate dream Porsche. So yeah, it, you know, so I'd love to have stuff like that. The few times I stop and buy a lottery ticket, I always write the word singer on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the karma will come through, but you know, I, I think the biggest thing though, for your listeners, as I understand who your listeners are, these people who are passionate about what they're doing is, is always try to think way bigger than you are, because you know what, if you keep thinking that way, you'll eventually get to that point and you might even surprise yourself that you grow beyond it. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for being on the episode. It's been a privilege to have you on. And, uh, you know, cars are awesome, but having discussions with people who uh, just are passionate is amazing. So thanks for coming on and sharing your passion with us. 
It's been a pleasure for me. I really appreciate you having me on my show. It's fun to be on the opposite side of the microphone here as a podcaster myself. I wish you the best of success. And uh, if I can be of any help to you in the future, just give me a call. And for your listeners, I hope I see you down the road. Thank you so much. It has been a privilege and super fun to have Mark on today's episode. He is such a fun guy and has a wealth of knowledge around cars and and he's just bringing amazing content. So you need to go to his website, carsia.com. Give him a shout out and let him know that you love what he's doing. And make sure that you check out all of his episodes. There's great stuff there. You don't want to miss anything. Make sure you also swing by jumblethink.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can stay connected with us through our social network channels. And you can also drop me a note through hello at jumblethink.com. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you like. So make sure that you let us know. So get out there, chase your passions, find your dreams, and change the world around you. And make sure you come back next week on Monday to check out our new episode. Have a great day. Les mères de famille, les enfants, peuvent également prendre un moment revitalisant dans quelques mois. Lorsque vous aurez bien saisi la technique et que vous serez maître de votre corps, vous pourrez vous décontracter même en travaillant. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.